Hey everyone, this is David, the founder of Ultimate Survival Tips and the co-host of the Survival Show podcast coming to you from the amazingly beautiful endless mountains of north central Pennsylvania today, although it is raining out there. Thanks for joining me and just me today. No Craig or producer Ben, but we do keep producer Ben pretty busy behind the scenes cutting up podcasts and Ultimate Survival Tips YouTube videos, but... Craig and I did get together yesterday for a podcast to talk about the tragedy that recently occurred on the Appalachian Trail, where one hiker was killed by a crazy person, very crazy person, and what we can learn from that and how we can all ensure that we stay safe in the wilderness. So if you have not heard that podcast, go check it out later. I am here today to take you through a really important and possibly one of the most important and practical gear cave topics that we can possibly talk about, which is home emergency and disaster preparedness and the gear and kit that goes along with that. Now, as we get into this, I do realize that in survival circles, and I put that in quotes, it's much more interesting to talk about the glamorous bugging out wilderness survival and all of that sort of stuff than it is to hunker down and stay at home. I just want to let you guys know you do not want to bug out unless you have no, hear me, absolutely no other options. Craig and I covered this in a podcast with Creek Stewart. I think it was episode two, and we also followed up on bugging out or staying home in episode three. And I also want to let you guys know that in section C of the Tiny Survival Guide, we specifically cover in section C when you should go and when you should stay at home. All right, so as we get into this topic, you really need to think about 10 categories that I came up with of supplies and gear, and this will be the focus of this particular podcast. And I also want to let you guys know that along the way, I'm going to share with you some exclusive game-changing bonus home disaster survival tips for you and only you, our podcast listeners. But before we get into all this, Craig and I have had a lot of people ask how they can support what we are doing here at the podcast. So if you find value in what Craig and I are doing and you want to keep us sending our unique brand of life enhancing free content your way, I have one easy, new, it's a new way that I don't think I've ever talked about before that you can support this particular podcast. And this is to go over to the Survival Show podcast on our fantastic new podcast hosting site, Anchor. .fm over at a n c h o r that's anchor.fm forward slash the survival show there is a support this podcast button and choose how much you want to give to the show it's that simple as an added bonus to you you can now instantly send us your voice message questions for possible inclusion in our mailbag segments that is super cool and that's over at anchor.fm forward slash the survival show. All right, guys, so let's get into this podcast. First, here's the 10 essential categories of gear and supplies we're going to cover in this podcast. One, we're going to talk about power. Two, water. Three, first aid. Four, heating and cooling. Five, light. Six, communications. Seven, we're going to talk about home defense and security. Eight, we're going to talk about food, which a lot of people want to have as number one. Nine is hygiene and ten is maintenance. So first up is power. Now, it's no secret that our lives 
everything, almost everything we do, runs on and is dependent upon electricity from lights to heat, cooling, communication, mobile devices, computers, water pumps, refrigerators, and freezers. Almost everything we depend on now dies when the grid goes down. Cut the power and things go from bad to worst fast. And if your power has ever gone down, you have realized this. And where I live, it is not uncommon for us to have a power outage a couple of times a year from one to three or four days. So I've been forced to learn how to prepare for these sorts of events. So depending on your location, lifestyle, and how much you want to rough it, or how much comfort you want when you lose power, here are a few alternate power options that you want to consider. First, you want to make sure that you have a sufficient supply of double and triple A batteries around. Now, I just want to tell you guys that these days, you can pick up a brick of batteries with like 24 or 36 batteries for like 10, 12, 15 dollars. Get yourself some extra batteries. Also, you want to make sure that you pick up a battery brick. I use Anchor brand and they're just fantastic. And pick up a solar panel that you can directly charge that battery brick with. Also, you can consider a solar power generator. Now you're starting to get into some bucks, usually 300 to $1,000 or more, depending on the size of solar panels you get and the solar power generator you get. So you can check those out. Next, you can get a power inverter that can be used with your vehicle. Now, some of these can plug just right into your cigarette lighter adapter in your vehicle, but the more powerful ones, that you can connect them right to your battery. Next, there are very small and medium gas generators that are portable. You want to get yourself a generator before that situation happens because back in the day, I was not always prepared as I am now. And in one particular extended power outage, and literally we had to call around and travel about three hours to find a suitable generator that could power our freezers, extra freezers, and refrigerators. You do not want that to happen to you. And one of the best things you can do if you can swing it, you can grab yourself a whole house generator powered by natural gas or liquid propane. Alrighty, now here's a, two bonus tips for this category of power. One, make sure that you keep fuel on hand for your vehicle and generator. And because of the ethanol that is now in our gas, you must treat all stored fuel with stabilizer. Otherwise, it's going to go bad within six months or a year. Second tip in, and I can't emphasize this enough, you need to be proactive and trained for a power outage. Here's how. First, intentionally shut down your power for a day or more. I would actually recommend doing it for at least three days. Doing this will help you quickly figure out what you need to deal with in an extended power outage. It will also stress test you and your family and help you know what to expect when the power goes out to survive at home without power. Okay, next up is water. If your home water supply in any way depends on electricity, you need an emergency water stockpile and the means to acquire, purify, and store additional water if needed. Now, at a minimum, for any power outage, you need one gallon of clean water per person. And just know that this is bare bones and won't cover flushing toilets, cooking, washing dishes, or much more of hygiene needs other than washing your face and brushing your teeth. So at one gallon per person per day, a four-person family needs at least 16 gallons of water to make it through a three-day event. And I'm just going to tell you that you want a lot more than that 
just if you want to live comfortably. So here's what you need. Use upcycled one gallon BPA-free milk or juice containers for easier bulk water storage Get some of those, and I've seen them in Walmart recently. You can get those five-gallon water containers that are blue with a white spout, and you can get those online too. And I will put links for you over to kit.com forward slash ultimate survival tips, and over there you, you can see all of my recommendations for this sort of gear. Also, you can fill up bathtubs, pots, large bowls, or anything else that holds water if you have some advance warning of a potential power outage. Boil and or filter any questionable water and make sure that you have a quality pump water filter. Also, there's some great gravity-fed water filters where you just pour the water in and gravity runs it through the filtration system and oftentimes you can service anywhere from 5 to 20 people with the appropriate size filter that way. Now, here's two bonus tips for water. One, if your home has a well, like mine does, make sure you know how to use your generator to power it up. This can be pretty tricky since many well pumps are 220 volts like mine. This will keep your water flowing and even allow for a shower now and again. So the second bonus tip is keep a hefty supply of baby wipes around for emergencies. Wipes are cheap and a modern innovation that will add a significant amount of comfort and smiles to your world if your access to clean water for hygienic purposes is limited. Next up is first aid. Now, regardless of the situation, if you or anyone else in your family or your group is injured, you need to be able to fix yourself and them until you can receive proper medical care. Now, a good first aid kit will help, but more important than a kit, you do need to get trained or refreshed in basic first aid and how to stop the bleed training. Now, to get you started here, in podcast number 20, Craig and I covered first aid essentials, and in podcast number 22, we covered three levels of first aid kits. So, if you want more information on first aid or building a kit that can save your life, check out podcast 20 and 22, and also, of course, pick up the Tiny Survival Guide, and in section G, we cover injury prevention and care. Plus, in the guide, you'll also get three first aid checklists and have them around to make sure that you have everything you need to make a pocket, group, or severe trauma kit that can save lives. Now, here's a bonus tip, and this is throw out your band-aids. If you have a store-bought first aid kit that does not include band-aid brand specific band-aids, throw them out and replace them with band-aid brand, and you'll be glad that you did. All right, now let's get into heat. So when your power goes out, electric heat and most oil and gas furnaces will not function properly. So having some sort of a heating solution that is reliable and alternate to electric systems is going to be important for most people, at least in the United States. For well over 100 years, people around the world have heated their dwellings with kerosene heaters. They are portable, generally safe, also generally affordable and easy to fuel for short-term heating needs. So as a first line of defense, gosh, for less than $100 and five gallons of kerosene fuel, you can be set for emergency heating in your home. Secondly, wood, of course, since the dawn of man, wood has been used as a reliable, renewable source of heat. Now with modern technology like my wood stove in my house, there is increased safety and efficiency and beauty of wood stoves. My wood stove actually is highly efficient, has a secondary burn technology, and it has that ceramic glass in the front, so it's actually really 
quite nice too. As a bonus tip, make sure you have a functioning smoke and carbon monoxide detector no matter what your heat source is. And a second bonus tip is when the power goes out, in an emergency, I wouldn't recommend that you use your emergency fuel or your generator to cool your home. What I would do is seek shady, cool, breezy areas if you have a basement basement's going to work good and just seek those cooler places. You want to keep that fuel for your generator for true emergencies. All right, next we're going to talk about light. For safety, security, utility, and general convenience, light is an important consideration when the grid goes down. So here's a couple items you should have on hand. First, you should have a headlamp. I have some headlamps that are USB rechargeable. Next up, is get yourself one of these solar camping lanterns. They're really cool. They charge in almost any light. I think I have one or two, and I just set them by one of the windows, and whenever I need them, all I gotta do is turn them on, and they work. So that's a totally renewable source of light in an emergency. A tactical flashlight's good, especially for safety and security. I have several of them that are a thousand lumens or more. Of course, old school candles, oil or kerosene lanterns, and don't forget, as I mentioned before, extra batteries, and if you're going to run an oil or kerosene lantern, extra fuel. Next up is communication. Now, when the utilities and cell service goes down, it's important to be able to communicate with your family and others you care about and know what's going on in the world. To do this, there are several options to get you the news, weather, and emergency information that you are really going to want and to communicate with those in your family or your group. All right, now, just a really simple, I guess this was more of a safety item. It's a good idea to get an emergency whistle for every person in your family or your group so they can keep them on their person at any time. Next up, a multi-band emergency radio receiver with solar power and a hand crank. And some even have emergency flashlights and a whole lot of bells and whistles on them. Again, over at kit.com forward slash ultimate survival tips, I've got a few brands that I recommend over there. Next up is quality two-way radios with emergency and weather channels that are water resistant. So these are perfect for receiving emergency information and communicating at a much further distance with people in your family or group. Even when my wife and I go on hikes together, she has different interests than I do. And when we wander around in the woods, we can easily get separated from each other. So both of us always carry a two-way radio with us. And that way we can coordinate and know where each other is at all times. And I recommend this for your home disaster kit. Also, next up is handheld amateur radios. Now, Baofeng offers several of these, and this adds the ability to communicate further using repeaters and more bands. They have the ability to do everything that my two-way radios can do, and I can communicate at much longer distances. And your next step up would be portable wideband transceivers with multiple power options like AC, internal rechargeable batteries, you can plug it into a DC battery or car battery, and these with the appropriate license for practicing you can actually communicate around the world. Your next stop is home, security, and defense. Know that home defense and security needs will likely increase over time if you live in a densely populated area. And if you live in an area like this, an urban area is basically what I'm talking about. Threats to your home safety may be immediate depending on the nature of the crisis. So you need to be prepared to both deter and flee threats if needed, depending on your situation. Just remember this, your life is not worth your stuff. So if you have the ability to safely flee from imminent danger, and you absolutely have to do this and have an escape plan, and this is where a bug out bag and a bug out vehicle 
comes in handy. You just need a plan to do that. And there are some situations where that's appropriate. However, if you are committed to stay at home and you can do so, here are some tips for home security and defense. First, monitor the baseline around your home. You already have a sense of what normal is around your home. If that changes, up your alert status. Next, install deadbolt locks on all of your doors. It's a really good idea to install blinds or curtains on all your windows. If it's possible and justified, you want to be able to have the resources to board up all your windows, especially those on a ground or subground floor that are easily accessible. So to do this, you're probably going to need some drywall screws. You're going to need some 4x8 plywood and rechargeable drill. Next, any of your emergency gear, even like generators or extra fuel, you want to keep these secure and out of sight. And what you really don't want to do is you don't want to discuss your disaster preparedness or the resources that you have in or around your home with people that you cannot absolutely trust. Freaky things happen when bad stuff goes down. People that you thought you could trust in the next moment be your worst adversary. So just be careful about what you say and show to people. Next, and this is the counter to that, partner beforehand with others around you that you trust to endure an extended disaster event. And last but not least, take a self-defense class. Now let's talk quickly about weapons. Here's a few effective deterrents and weapons that you can consider. Next up is bear spray. This is a less than lethal defense, but there's also a lot of other pepper sprays that you can get. Another really effective deterrent, I would recommend getting yourself a pump 12 gauge shotgun, a personal firearm, and I am all for having a high capacity semi-automatic firearm around and being well trained in its use. Now let's talk a bit about food and food preparation. So when the power goes out, you might have a limited time to use any of the food in your refrigerator and your freezer, unless you have a backup power plan, or it happens to be conveniently cold outside, which, either way, you still want to stock up on non-perishable food items with a long shelf life. So I'm just going to blitz through this list here. Quality food bars, trail mix, candy for energy, beef jerky for protein, MREs can be a good choice, dried meals, canned goods, rice, beans, peanut butter, tuna packs, wraps, crackers, nacho chips, oatmeal packs are a favorite of many, especially kids, oil for cooking, a large amount of sugar, honey is a good idea, coffee and tea, powdered milk, non-electric camp stove is a good idea for preparation, a grill with some extra fuel, a fire starting kit with three sources starting with multiple lighters, and you want to have disposable cups, plates, bowls, and utensils because cleanup isn't going to be as easy when you have limited water, and lots of paper towels and hand wipes. Okay, now here's a bonus tip. When the power goes out and the temperature is close to freezing, you can store refrigerated or frozen food in the trunk of a vehicle or in a shed through an extended power outage. All right, next is hygiene and sanitation. And this is something that not a whole lot of people think about. When your water stops running, this dramatically affects your ability to stay clean, wash dishes, flush toilets to name a few. So you need a hygiene plan and a few items to make your time without conveniences tolerable. As we get into this one, you can take a gallon or two, basically a bucket of water, and you can flush your toilets manually. But I just want to tell you that it's going to take a gallon or two to really clean out and flush your toilet. So that's water that is going to be very valuable. You want to make sure that you have a few items to help with this particular hygiene process. So I would recommend that you have a shovel around to dig a latrine. 
portable camp toilets for anywhere from 99 up to up to about a thousand bucks. You want to have bulk toilet paper, bulk camping wipes or baby wipes. As far as clothing items go, merino wool or synthetic undergarments are pretty easy to wash and dry a lot more quickly than cotton. Hand sanitizer is a good thing to have. Chlorine bleach can sterilize and clean a lot of things, and you want to have stuff like extra toothpaste, soap, contact solution, or whatever other hygiene or sundry needs you find to be very important. Okay, now our last section, and again, something that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about disaster emergency kits, is maintenance. To deal with the inevitable mishap while the power is out, keep a well-stocked maintenance kit around. So here's a few items to include in your kit. I have a couple of how-to-fix-almost-anything books. You want to make sure that you have a quality battery-operated drill with fully charged extra batteries. Get some drywall screws, some construction screws of various sizes, duct tape, of course, zip ties of various sizes, wire, 20-gauge, 22-gauge is a good general purpose utility wire that's easy to work with. You want to get a quality fixed blade knife, a gel-based super glue, a quality multi-tool with pliers, a utility razor blade knife. You want to have a good general toolkit with a hammer, screwdrivers, wrenches, tape measure, those sorts of things. You want to make sure you have some Ziploc bags, at least one quart of oil. I have a couple of squeeze tubes of grease. 40 gallon or more three mil thick trash bags. These are like your contractor type bags. And paracord, at least 100 feet. All right, guys, these are the 10 categories that I came up with of items you need to become a boss prepper and be ready for almost any power outage or disaster or emergency event at home. If you have anything else to add to this list, go ahead and go over to anchor.fm forward slash the survival show and leave us a message. Ask us any questions over there. So subscribe to the podcast now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys who have given us a five star rating. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share it with your friends on social media. Remember to go over to Anchor, that's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M forward slash The Survival Show. And you can go ahead and support the podcast over there. All right, guys, thanks for listening. I'll see you next time on The Survival Show podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.